All right, let's hit it, man. And now it's 35 seconds. 30 seconds. This is Mercury Control, the MA6 count, T minus 30 and counting. T minus 30 seconds and counting. It's a few seconds late. It's 20 seconds now. The Mercury spacecraft umbilical is out. We're at T minus 19 seconds. T minus 10 seconds counting. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift off. Cameraman couldn't hold the thing still on this. <laughs> it's like then. Where's that sweet motion tracking? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's all 1962 looking and stuff. Yeah. I hadn't seen this footage in a long time. And because it was before both of us were born, of course, you know, 62. But it's like, wow. It's like, wow, we're... Uh, because uh, most of this discussion is going to be talking about uh, robots and singularity, and we're talking about this first because John Glenn passed away last week, age 95. He was uh, John Herschel Glenn Jr., born in July uh, 18th, 1921. Passed away December 8th, 2016. He was an aviator, engineer, astronaut, and United States Senator from Ohio. Um, he was the first American to orbit the Earth, circling three times. Uh, he was a fighter pilot before NASA and uh, in both World War II and Korea. And uh, he had uh, more medals than you could uh, shake a medal at. That's right. <laughs> Godspeed, John Glenn. Um, yes. Welcome to the podcast, Binge Watch Podcast. I'm Brian. That's Paul, the Bearded Wonder. Hit us up on the um, uh, the the what, it shouldn't call it Twitter anymore. Hit us on the Trumper uh, at uh, at Binge Watch PC at the underscore Donald, <laughs> the, <laughs> the real Donald, the real Don, <laughs> real Donald Dong, um, and uh, and say hi and follow us and all that kind of good stuff. Um, big news! This is our fiftieth episode. Give or take. Give or take the peel sessions. Yeah, um, the lost peel sessions that we refer to. Uh, maybe there's two that are in the ether somewhere. Maybe there's four. We're not really information sure. <laughs> is not lost in the universe, so it's out there. It's out there somewhere, right? Yeah, the Romulans will find it someday. So, <laughs> so we'll be all right. Um, I, I always laugh because we said, okay, we're going to start at seven. So we end up actually rolling at 7.33. That's right. <laughs> and we, uh, a big concern that we're going to be talking about on this podcast is 
the technical technological singularity and AI and super superhuman artificial intelligence, and we cannot figure Skype out to save our fucking lives. Yeah, the the robots are gonna own us. Oh yeah, even if they have. Um, Bo and Luke Duke intelligence. If, if, <laughs> if they can do a million calculations per minute, they've got us. Right. If they're any uh, harder to deal with than Skype, they got us. Oh, I know, dude. Fuck. Um, so, um, we talked a little bit about John Glenn. Uh, we got a lot of uh, little, little show notes, little news things. Our big focus is are Westworld and Walking Dead. So I don't believe this. Mozart officially sold the most CDs in 2016. Does that mean like physical CDs? Now, I heard, because I heard this earlier in the week, and I was like, I don't believe that at all. What the fuck? Here's the catch, is that it was a box set of 200 CDs Uh of Mozart, and each CD counts as a separate CD. Oh. So they gamed the system. (laughs) He has 200... uh, 200 CDs worth of material? Well, it's all... That's prolific. You think about about how... I mean, you go back and you think about how many different orchestras have done recordings and different takes on it. So, yeah, they gamed the system. And I I was listening to NPR on the way home and I heard that factoid that, well, it's the box set that has 200 CDs and each CD inside. So it's like that old... uh, was that old Daffy Duck cartoon that Warren Burr's? It's like you want a million box, and inside <laughs> the box is a it's a little box. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, sort of how it went down. The Chinese or the Russian uh, box set, where it's it was just, fake news, really. It's if you li- think about it. Little boxes all the way down. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's a uh, yeah, it's uh, like turtles, basically. Uh, so uh, yeah. So he sold a little bit more to them, Drake. But they're talking about physical CD sales. Yeah. And not streaming. I was like, there's no way fucking Mozart outsold Drake. Yeah. But if you take that, yeah. I mean, it's like saying that I think we talked about that early on in podcast is that there was a spike in uh, vinyl sales. and then, But if you look in comparison, it's like, well, before it was nothing. So, yeah, if it triples, that's a big deal, right? No, not really. So Yeah, so um, one thing I saw in here is pretty cool because I just watched a YouTube documentary on um, this book last night, but the uh, Isaac Newton's Principia. And I hear that Principia. I hear that pronounced different yeah. all the time, so I don't know how to exactly I think say it's, I think it's Principia. Principia, yeah. yeah. Um that it was pretty cool. Just uh, they were showing how this is this was fucking wild. This is how smart this guy was. Just one comment on for, on that. We'll move on. So he took eyewitness, um, uh, descriptions of a comet that passed over comet past the Earth, and so he took them all these descriptions that were published in newspapers around the world that said it was. 5:23 in the morning. This is where I live in China, and I saw it right by this star. It's like and, a geolocation, right? Yeah, and 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 combined all of this, all of these different like just humans saying like where they saw it, 
at different times and you know throughout the course of a day a couple of days then was able to reverse engineer that to the exact flight path in the orbit of that comet around the sun and that's in that right. book all of his material that he used and then his actual computations and then his um how he drew out the orbit and everything it was super cool just how crazy smart some people are maybe he could well, handle these robots and, and he had a very singular focus <laughs> he had <laughs> brother he did not go out and imbibe in the drinks he did not socialize with the ladies <laughs> he was focused on his thing and you know there's very there's throughout history there's very, there's minds that do stuff like that you talk about leonardo da vinci you talk about you talk about him i mean it's it's um it's amazing and they're almost like they're machines themselves yeah because they have such a singular focus that it's they their interest besides staying alive is not that much I see this uh, Zero Hedge article on um, millions of American jobs will be wiped out in the next five years um, because of the rise of the machines. Yeah. And I can't remember, did we talk about this um, several podcasts ago, that self-driving, I didn't know this, but uh, truck driving is like the number one employment for men in the United States. Yes. In, yes, in, it is. It's a number it one is. industry that will be impacted by all the self-driving stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it has all these like tendrils that go out right. because when when people can't when they get out of a job you can get that um, that license to drive heavy loads over over state lines and that's your job you're basically you've turned into a machine for Westworld to where you drive a load from here to there mm -hmm. and that's your job. And it pays good money because they don't have anybody else to do it. There is no other way unless you're going to, you can talk about other ways. You can go plane, you can go train. Automobile? Yeah, uh, yeah or <laughs> automobile. You can throw mama off the train. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, humans are the machines that make industry work as far as commerce across state lines. Um, Welcome and to the Matrix, motherfuckers. Exactly. And it's a, a very interesting thing because Uber made it very clear early on in their mission statement is that we're going to build our company off the backs of people and pay them as little as possible, and then we're going to wipe them out with technology. Which, if listening to that podcast today, even though there was a little bit that was talking about Westworld, they did talk a little bit about um, um, robot driving and AI driving and choices that are made. And then you think about all this, you know, all these people that are going to lose their jobs because uh, a, a program can do it better than they can or smarter than they can safer. without falling asleep, safer without taking a whole bunch of amphetamines <laughs> and... <laughs> I mean, you look at um, what was the uh, comedian that was injured by the Walmart driver? Mm, I didn't see that. Oh, you mean uh, uh, Tracy uh, from Thirty Rock? Yeah, yeah. I can't and remember his real name. The, yeah, the uh, um, 
the driver that was indicted on that, he was going over shift and he was using amphetamines to stay awake to do his shifts. Robots, you don't have to worry about that. But that podcast that you talked about with the Sam Harris podcast uh, that we listened to today, um, uh, what was it? Um, Abusing uh, Dolores? Dog, uh, dogging down on Dolores. <laughs> Double down on Dolores. <laughs> yeah. Um, which you mentioned was like, well, they only sort of talked about I, it. I did think but, the... Uh, if, you think, if you think of the overall topic about empathy versus compassion, it... I could see the thread all the way through, uh, but they did use that to get to hook people in. Well, I think the hook there with uh, the empathy versus the compassion thing was um, much more attuned to: do you, would you want the robots to have empathy, or you would, would? Did you want them to have compassion? I thought that was a good point. But yeah, do you want them to be racist or not? Basically, right. So, but I did think that. Um, the the point that Sam made that when they really were talking about is exactly what I said that first night me and you Ron and Ron did the podcast on Westworld was this is exactly the kind of place that we do not want to build because we do not want in any shape form or fashion to let like all of humanity's like vileness out of the box yes yes I remember you talking about that and I think it hit a little bit more home the the more episodes I watched of Westworld. And what they was talking about on Sam Harris's podcast is what distinguishes a Roomba with thoughts, feelings, and emotion that you can't see versus a real doll, because we talked about that before, mm-hmm. is like what level of sophistication does a real doll then you go back to that movie Office Space to where they take uh, was a fax machine out to the field and beat it with a bat. Right. Now, what if they took... What if that uh, fax machine had the intelligence of Dolores and could feel... and Could, could feel, suffer. Uh, could suffer. And then you replace that fax machine. Somebody could do a mashup and take Dolores out in that field and just basically do a Negan on her. Which would make that that scene in that movie, Office Space, was funny because they beat the shit out of that, that you know, a Roomba, basically. But you put something that had looks like us, that we have compassion or empathy for, depends on how you want to define it, and beats the shit out of it. Yeah, and, and then feel? and then like I think the the point that they made on there was about choking Dolores to death. Like, how could you do that to something that is ninety nine percent your brain perceives as human, and then not be something that you did in real life? Not have the equal yeah. amount of con- consequences, I guess. So let's yeah. dive and into. Well, and before we dive into that, let's um, one little thing that they did talk about that they talked about. You know, the whole thing with video games, video game violence, is that graphics get better and better. So what, at what point do we start stepping into what we're stepping into now with augmented reality that we have, like, haptic sensor gloves that we can feel tactile sensations that we're watching a video game and the video game, the game designers say, 
you have to choke this guard out and you can feel the pressure on this character's neck that this character looks like it's real. Dun dun. So dun. there yeah, I know. It's it's like oh shit, you just got real. Yeah, <laughs> so know? there was there was one thing though and I I thought that they didn't really stick on this enough and then I'm going to totally disagree with one of their main points. So um that the video game violence is always oh it's going to seep over it's going to seep over so it, video game violence has never made anybody do anything that they weren't already going to do right so i if you extrapolate that out then i think that maybe the concern that i have that if you had this world that you could go into and it felt like you were killing humans and you really you know you can't distinguish them from real people in the terms of how that process would go you shooting and stabbing whatever you're going to do um so it makes me have pause there that if the video game violence and as amped up as that is i mean would the west world mean thing you know psychologically damage you enough that you came out of it and you were like um had feelings of guilt or remorse or wanted to kill people for real or whatever so it kind of makes me think that it that wouldn't and this is um why i think it would not so and this isn't a super well thought out thing but but they mentioned how treating these things like slaves would make you less of a person and you unable to interact with other people the way you currently do and at first glance i thought well maybe that's true it would degradate like your interpersonal relationships to a degree or whatever but then i thought and obviously slavery is a horrible horrible thing but cultures have owned slaves throughout the millennia and they still do and they still do but to a large extent that western the western world is sort of not willing to recognize that there's a probably a greater percentage of the rest of the seven and a half billion people on the planet that that stuff is still sort of cool. Right. So I think the people have always been able to do the mental gymnastics of this group is slaves and gets treated like X. This group is my peer group and gets treated like Y. And I would never even think of treating group Y like I'm capable of treating group X. Well, you think about you think about the caste system in India and what are they one and a half billion people. Something. I mean, you think about yeah, you think about that. I mean, it's um, it's. I think it's all relative to to the culture you're brought up in and the time you're brought up in. And I think civilization it has an ebb and flow. Is that if you go back to medieval times, it's like. It's like Negan. It's Warlord makes the rules. It's like you are going to get the iron. Yeah. But Have I think that I think that may, <laughs> you know? maybe people could do the crazy stuff in Westworld without being at the end of the day super damaged in in because well, we have this dichotomy where we can put things into different groups and neither the tween shall meet. Well, and I think you're right to that certain extent is because it's you're talking about 
like it's like Dungeons and Dragons. It's a rule-based system. You know going into this world that this is allowed. These are the boundaries. This is allowed. These things look like the rest of us. But you've been told you can do what you want because they are not the rest of us. That they are there. It's like these... Uh, They've sprung up over the news the past couple of years, the anger rooms, where you can go in and smash up a whole bunch of shit and get let your anger out and just fuck up shit, go Negan on a whole bunch of stuff, and they're objects. These are a level... The robots and Westworld are objects several thousand times level removed from Roombas. It's like if somebody let you go in a room of Roombas and fuck their shit up. What would you do? I mean, yes, you, you could fuck up a Roomba, but <laughs> then you think about the psychological implications that this Roomba actually has feelings. People kill whales all the time. Right. Apparently, whales are really smart. Right. Apparently, that's, gorillas are really smart. And that, you know, that's a good point, because that's what I'm saying. Those, those people that are killing the whales because they have this mental dichotomy they don't go home and and can't you know what i mean have yeah. interactions and can't live live their life like normal because they are whalers and that's what they do but you and i would probably if we ran, rolled out there and started just shooting big whales with spears and shit and killing them we would probably be this is fucked up i don't want to do this so that no, you know dude you could not appear on facebook again if you club one baby seal I know, I know, but you know? dudes club baby seals all the time, and they're not uh, too broken up about it. Well, and I think I think it's a certain amount of it is you're talking about cultural norms and what is accepted where you're at. Apparently, in some parts of Africa, you can have crazy ass hyenas on chains, and you can chop motherfuckers up with machetes, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you tried to do that in downtown Fort Worth, you might have a problem. <laughs> I might have a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I get a certain amount. I think it's I think it's based a lot of where you're living at. And to to really I think a certain amount of media and there's been a lot of talk about what is fake news. Apparently, there's fake. The mainstream media has been doing fake news. I put a link in there that CNN was practicing stuff from the Gulf War, and then going live is like, "Oh, the Scud missiles are coming in!" Oh, and they were practicing all that before they did a live broadcast, but that was accepted because it was in nineteen what nineteen ninety one ninety two. There was no internet. Nobody could ca- call them on it. Right. Yeah, I think um, I don't want to d- digress too far, but that that's it's who you know. It's always to a degree as long as since the corporations came in, and I made this point. I tried to make this point. A mil- this was like six eight months ago that mass media has all has always been what it is now. You go back to yellow journalism and. The yeah, it, it's yeah. it's never no, not it's been that as far back as you go in the they could print a newspaper, it was controlled by the ruling class and it was propaganda. I mean that's that, there's nothing new. What I what I do 
think is new is that it's almost impossible, no matter how smart you are or how fast your computer is, to actually be able to dissect enough stuff to you can really figure out like what's the truth, what's the going on going on versus trying to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of real events, let's say, and then the fake news. Yeah, and I agree with you on that is that I think with this whole election in America this time this this go around with Hillary and Trump is I think the the onion layers have been peeled back and we've we've seen how much that the media that we thought we trusted is being pitched to one side. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Trump is any shape or form what I'd want, but it was a little bit shocking to me to see how skewed it was in the other direction. Yep, I agree. All right, so um, let's actually, you want to talk about the episode where you're stepping on a dog over there? Somebody has just come home and <laughs> their dog goes fucking ballistic <laughs> when they come home. So, And he's not going to calm down until they actually come in the door. So uh, we can sit here and just uh, pontificate for a little bit. While this dog goes fucking crazy. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's let's flip the script. We've talked about all that. Let's do Walking Dead now. Change this. Do a subject change. Yeah. And, and then yeah. we'll come back and uh, I don't I don't want to pound out an hour and fifteen minutes <laughs> of uh, artificial intelligence and consciousness. As interested as I am in it. So oh, I fuck did. Fuck you, brother. I'm a, I want to do that. <laughs> no. So let's yeah. Let's definitely talk about Walking Dead because. Uh, I think I can speak for both of us. We were starting to fall off a little bit off of The Walking Dead. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know that that episode changed my mind on that. And I'll talk about in detail why. The only thing that really redeemed it for me was that Daryl got free. Because in my heart, I knew I I had the feeling that the this is the mid-season break, and it's not going to come back till mid-February, probably Valentine's Day. Very appropriate. Um, that they were not going to let us know if he got out or not. Right. And to me, that was very satisfying. So that, if that's the only thing, that's the thing that did it for me. No, I, I did like that. Although I, f- I felt like this episode was. There's a couple things. I felt like it was really staccato in its di- di- the direction. It just didn't have a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot going on. There was, dude. I can't. I can't tell you. I like the Negan character and I like the actor, but I cannot tell you how done I am with his those little trite monologue things that he does in his and body how, movements. Yeah, and how he's. Always leaning back, and, and the leaning back leaning. and bouncing, and the just the yeah, his, his um, whole body is bouncing to the rhythm of his talk, and he's always it's like his head is on some fucking uh, bob and fishing line, and every time he enunciates a syllable, he has to move his head up and down. Yeah, I will say that 
I was really hoping that Rosarita shot him right between the eyes. And it <laughs> yeah, was total deces machina that that bullet hit Lu- Lucille. And, uh, but the other thing that I loved about the ep- episode is that dumbass got gutted like a fish because I hated him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, Spencer, fucking Spencer. Spencer. But you know, the, the one thing I did like was that Negan instantly sensed what Spencer was up to. And he wasn't gonna, homie, wasn't, wasn't gonna play that game. I did like that. Um, I think that I agree with that totally. Is that my overall sense is that the actor they're allowing the actor that is playing Negan to overplay it because at a certain point, it's like if I'm Negan, my thought process is: Are all these guys worth it? And I'm thinking, no. It's like, Carl, why do I give a shit about Carl? Why do I give a shit about Rick? Why do I give a shit about any of these motherfuckers? Yeah, no, I I get it. It, it, Besides, they're the main characters. You know, how surprising would that have been? And obviously, they're not going to kill Negan there. But how surprising would that have been if she just shot him dead between the eyes and it had been done? (laughs) I would have loved that. I yeah. mean, as far as a story, a mid-season break, because that would have been a break from the comic books, from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I haven't read them, but that would have been awesome. But they have this whole showdown with the kingdom, and I'm sort of getting a little bit tired of of Carol being so. Oh, I don't yes, want to do that. Driving part. me crazy, and now it's it's uh, her and um, dude are trying to figure out which one's the bigger puss and doesn't want to kill the most. Yeah, it's yeah, like, oh, I know. Give me a break. Well, and I thought an interesting point of all that is that the, the guy, the guy from the kingdom that came over bringing the milk bottles, whatever that means, uh, to Carol's place and was talking to her and Morgan was saying that that they, the kingdom met with the people from the saviors in the woods. Right. And the saviors decided we can't fuck with these guys, and they have made it very apparent this episode when uh, Michonne came over the hill with that one girl in the vehicle. And it's like, look at how many saviors they have. It's like, what does the kingdom have? The kingdom has to have some stuff to blockade Negan. Yeah, Negan I was would have run those guys completely over. So the kingdom has to be way more massive than they're showing. Yeah, I don't know if it's massive, but I think it... Somebody did the math. I feel like in the inter- interaction... It's not the tiger. It's not the tiger. No. The tiger's cool, but it's not the tiger. I thought that the uh, interaction that they were describing, somebody did the math and said, okay, on Negan, Negan's side, whether it was Negan or one of his captains, all right, this group is powerful enough that we, if we did take them on... It, it wouldn't be worth it in the end, and it would be a little bit of a pirate victory where the cost d- outweighs the the value, and then the right. kingdom you knows win, that they would. But you win, but you end up burning the rest of it. Down. Yeah, and yeah. the kingdom knows that in the, at the end of the day they wouldn't prevail. So it's like almost a detente that 
it's not mutually assured destruction is how I was reading that, but it, it would have been more than what the effort, the effort would have been more than the value returned by killing all the people in the kingdom or, or, or whatever. So then, and so they've got this detente thing going on that probably won't last long. And I would imagine there'll be the well, swing vote when the fight goes down as the kingdom will be, have enough men that they'll swing the, the battle or whatever you want to call it. Well, and that's what made me really interested in that because they've sort of played the hand of the saviors, showing their how big they are, and talking right. that up. But they have not fully shown the opposing power. It's like say, say Negan and the saviors are Soviet Russia, but they haven't shown the hand of the United States the opposite cold war power and i think that's sort of interesting going into the next uh post mid-season is like we haven't seen the full power of the kingdom we've seen sort of kooky it's sort of kooky king ezekiel and his tiger but apparently he ain't so kooky that he doesn't have a lot of stuff behind him yeah well, and I do think that's, I mean, there's no way that the nine or ten people or whatever it's left on Rick's side that they're going to go conquer. They're outnumbered like, you know, 50 to one probably or something. And so, that's the thing that, besides the story thread, I really can't understand why Negan is fucking with Rick and these guys. It's like, just kill them all. Well, I understand why they want to keep is, them. Is it so, such a challenge just to break them? To make bend him to as well is that Negan's thing? I'm sure when that, he's not going like this. I'm sure that that's part of it. Like, you know, it's like it's such a it's such a weird thing. But um, I think that it, he would have never if this is the way he worked, he would have never made it in charge of the group that he's already running. That, that obviously you this whole thing with like keeping that group down has to be enough stick to keep them scared and enough carrot to keep them um in line and hopeful you know what i mean if yeah if if it's all stick the only thing that you create is rebellion there's no way that that doesn't end in rebellion if it's all stick and he's in that uh, and uh pun intended i guess negan is all stick and um (laughs) stick with with wire <laughs> yeah so that doesn't that wouldn't work so he, the way he goes about things just would not work he, you would have to lead the a group on with enough carrot to keep them hopeful that as long as they did what you said they're good to go um or you just create you're just fomenting you know rebellion all the time yeah and it's it's how much time is he investing in breaking groups that are outside of his main control because everybody at his home base as soon as he walks around they have to bow a knee obviesque you know <laughs> and <laughs> it's 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 so different than it's like he's allowed Rick's group to kill so many of his guys yeah that but he, apparently he has so many guys that maybe it's it's like he's allocating that cost. It's like he's weighing that, okay, if I can get this group, it's worth 
X amount of my dudes. He's already lost like what forty or fifty, probably. Yeah, for what ten guys, a and ragtag a, <laughs> group of misfits, <laughs> half truckload of stuff with a fuck you note in it. Yeah, and and that just drove me crazy. Is like, why would you leave that in there? <laughs> why would you leave that? In there? So here's what I what had a major issue with just the episode overall. I thought it was so like Daryl's escape and him clubbing that one guy as he was oh, leaving. He beat Fat Joey the shit. Yeah, the Fat Joey beatdown. That was for me the highlight of the episode, and yeah. it was really predictable. I didn't think that it had much sense of tension because you can only and that's the you dilute when every scene with Negan is, is this overwrought tension and um is he going to kill somebody in this scene when every scene's like that that does just because that's the norm right that's the 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 midfield what they i wish they would have done is show negan and they tried to i think with the carl scene but show him like vulnerable and being a human and kind of suck you in a little bit and then let his madness back out when it's just all crazy all the time and he's always got the bat and he's always going to beat somebody it just loses its effect well he doesn't always have the bat well he makes joey brought him back the bat and we established that the bat doesn't have a pussy because he's breaking balls right just breaking balls man (laughs) just breaking balls Um, this is rick is not teaching you carl (laughs) and then i thought that the Last 10 minutes, and obviously, the, I think the episode is called Rise, right? I think so. Uh, it is called uh, Heart Still Beating. Heart Still Beating. So, um, the last, I don't know, five, seven minutes, that musical montage and them all exchanging glances because they're going to ba- get the band back together, and now they, they realize that they have to yeah. fight to survive. Dude, I thought that was as trite. A seven minutes is anything off of Miami CSI. It was so just laid out, and um, it could have been the, uh, one of my favorite shows. Castle has these musical montages to end every episode, and I was just like, "This is really, really silly." I thought the Michonne and the Rick scene when he finally gets off his knees. You know, he he is on his knees when she ends and and then he rises and that was very symbolic of where he was mentally and stuff. I thought there was some, you know, creativity there, but I just thought that the whole episode was really kind of cheesy, man. With the exception of the uh, Michonne and Rick scene and then Daryl's escape. I just really was like... "Mm." I I could see that the whole... It's. It felt like a a little bit of like a gamified episode with, okay, Rick and Homeboy are gonna have to get across this thing to the boat, and this this raft, this little canoe thing has a whole bunch of holes in it, and don't they have that stuff that you've seen on commercials that you can spray and cover the holes and <laughs> plug the holes, you know, it's like, and they break off a sign and they're punching holes in zombies. It felt like a game. It felt like a game, and then they get over there, and the thing that pissed me off, I think, the most of the whole episode is that 
why would you even consider leaving a note that did this, this whole thing, in the stuff that you're going to have to give to the savers, even though I know that they didn't realize the savers were going to be there? Right. It's like, you take that thing. So the guy in the woods, they showed the boot. Yeah. Did you watch it all the way through to after the credits to there was some little scene? Yeah, and then he comes back, you know. I didn't, uh, who was that? I have no idea. I think it's somebody that maybe has been introduced in the comics. Uh Uh-huh. And he has this weird snakeskin pattern on his boots because they made a very, it's very iconic sort of look to it. So it's probably somebody that has been in the comics. Yeah. And I haven't read the comics, so. Yeah, and it had the wire wrapped around the boot. Um, so that was kind of intriguing. But I That's just thought Lucille. the. Yeah, I just boot. thought the. I thought the. I mean, it, it sort of kind of did what it, it served its purpose, I should say, but I, I felt it just. It was a little cheesy, and I and not. It was better for me. It was better for me than, except for the first two episodes. The rest of it was in a valley, and this sort of brought it up just a little bit. I I, I totally agree. I just wish it would have been done a little bit more creatively, and I thought that that mid-season break of them all circling the wagons and now we're going to go back out and we're going to fight Negan's group and you know it's on like Donkey Kong is a really easy natural break and not didn't apply a lot of creativity to it I wish it would have been a little bit of a different outro that made you think what are they going to do I mean now we know I can tell you I can tell you right now what the second half of the season is so um it's that's a, con- a little bit confrontation dis- between the kingdom and the saviors. Yeah. yeah, so that's a. It's it's one of those things that I think for me it um, this show is sort of running by a procedure more than it's being run by a story by committee a little bit more than uh, the first, and it's a terrible comparison. The first season of Westworld. Because the first season of Westworld is pretty, pretty amazing. And this is, you know, it's something that's gone on for seven seasons. It's like, how are they, you know, you have different people, different showrunners in charge. You have different writers in charge. You have all the stuff you have to hook up is like, do we... Do we stay true to the comics? Do we go away from the comics to keep people guessing? You know, what do you yeah. do? I just feel like it's a wow. It, this season, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not dogging on the season. I've enjoyed the season, and it's not like, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to punch out in any minute. But yeah, it, yeah. it's definitely, I'm not sitting around all week going, God, I can't wait till The Walking Dead comes on. Um, no. But I, I think you know a lot of it too is I felt like the opening episode was probably one of the most visceral things I've ever seen on TV, and it was so impressionable. I just wish that the season would have had more moments in it like that. And it, like I felt like here's the here's the here's the another like psychological trick. I think they used really well. When Negan was beating, um, with the exception of uh, Glenn, 
you know, sitting there and all beat up and looking at her, there wasn't a lot of like, they didn't overgore it. For the most part, it was off camera. It was just him swinging and hitting and the reactions of the people watching it, right? And that's the best type of horror. Right. Because you don't show. Spencer, when he got his guts cut and his, they were all hanging out, I was laughing. I thought that was comical. And it was. And the same thing for me is at first, I hated that motherfucker. <laughs> and second is like, I was like, it was like seeing a zombie getting a, a special kill, you know, on him. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, Spencer, fuck that guy. It's like, I didn't care. I didn't right. care at all. And I was like, I'm glad that they showed that. Because it was like, it was, and it was also a little bit ridiculous that Spencer would be out there giving trying to turn over rick with all of his all the of they were standing five Rick's feet away from him yeah it's it was ridiculous and i was like well good night my friend <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like and i was like i didn't like that guy anyway so i was like see you later i didn't think his character brought a lot to the to the show so no, no. he's gone but he was the last uh, surviving of his family members Boo-hoo. I know, terrible. Master is it Ablex. empathy or is it compassion? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was good. It was I'll say it was okay. Um, not uh, they better turn it. They really, I would love it if they turn it on after we get back from the mid season break in February because I want to see the showdown because they have shown us that. The saviors have a fuck ton of dudes. And they have also told us in so many ways that the kingdom is a match for them. So I want to see, I want to see Braveheart. I want to see, I want to see the kingdom on all these horses just stomping down on them. It's meat against machine. That's what I want to see. Yeah. The uh, so it'll get be get off your phone. Get off your phone. It'll be interesting um, to see. I, I I need action in the second half. I would like some wild, crazy, zombie people killing action, um, yeah. and a little maybe a little bit different way than they've done it before. I mean, I did like. It's almost like the zombies are not a thing anymore. Yeah. They're sort of like. There's oh, such an afterthought. Okay. It's it's human against human from here out. Yeah, but um, if you think about the the big battle um, when um, the governor came and attacked the uh, the prison, the assault yeah. on the radar station in last season. Um, yeah, when they thought they could take the saviors out. Yeah, and they thought that was all they were, and then oh shit. So I think that um, that's the kind of action I think we need to see in the second half of the season to kind of get us out of this funk that the last four or five episodes have been, which they've been okay, but they have been so mellow. And, um, man, they've got to redeem Carol. That's driving me crazy um, that she's just become this, like, hump of mud. Yeah, her and Morgan, I'm so done with them it's it is, like their scenes are just so, them arguing over who's the more passive one it's just a it's fuck like, i didn't tell you to come over here well you called me back <laughs> it's like it's like 
I, it's like either shit or get off the pot. I it's don't like, want to kill anymore, off. Bobby. Ugh, then, I get it. Then go somewhere else where people see, and that's what I think is a little bit disingenuous on her part is that she doesn't. She wants to be left alone, but she wants to be close enough where people can be close to her. Mm-hmm. If you want to be left alone, you go out. 200 miles away and you will be left alone except for zombies there you go so she doesn't want to be left alone she wants people to oh, carol i miss you, you <laughs> it's like come on really are you saying paul that just because she's a woman she can't make up her mind i'm saying that man or woman if you want to be left alone get the fuck away from everybody and you'll be left alone. <laughs> it's like, don't sit over there in a little cottage about 50 feet away from everybody. It's like, no, no. Don't you do uh, it. Don't you do it. I, I protest. I protest. <laughs> All right. Let's, let, I'm in and I'm hoping that the second half of the season picks up, but I'm really going to need uh, them to, uh, to do it, to show me something. And I would like it, the, I'd like the art direction and the directing and be a little bit more highbrow instead of just, hey, let's go out and shoot this scene out here in the garden. And just not just have a camera sitting on a tripod and, and we'll video yeah. it. Well, the the suspicious part of me says at this point that they're going to squeeze maximum cash out of this from here on out is because they know every show has a life cycle and this is not going to be the Simpsons no matter what they say and at a certain point they're going to try to maximize profit out of this so they're not going to trick this out unless they really think they have an opportunity you know what i mean it's, right for the return it's of a dollar it's yeah for return of a dollar it's uh, you look at westworld it has surpassed game of thrones in viewership nice and that's hbo's play is that uh game of thrones has an ending arc and they're trying to fill in that in to continue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they've already announced that you know, it's, uh, you know, Westworld's going to, they're viewing five to seven seasons. So what are you going to do? And I mean, at a certain point is that, at what point has Walking Dead petered out? I think they're dangerously close to that being in the next couple of seasons. I would, I would agree. I would agree is that I think that if you have this ultimate medieval confrontation between these huge warring tribes at a certain point that you have to have a denouement that somebody's the victor and then this is the epilogue and then this is life ever after right Finn, Finn. Finn. <laughs> you know um so i think they i think that if they were smart they would they would know their end game now and be able to implement that at any time that the ratings really sagged off yeah, and I, I think they're not—they're not going to tell anybody that outside of their camp that doesn't need to know it, and they'll cut it off when they think it's viable. Yeah. Because at at a certain point, they have had ups and downs. They've had a great run, and at a certain point, you need to end it and just let it be. Whisper because you can't just continually is like 
And I think I agree with you on this is I think after this big confrontation between these huge factions that maybe there's a couple of seasons of sort of wrapping things up and maybe a season even. Yeah. And then the end after this season, the next season that could possibly be it. Yeah. And then what's Daryl going to do? All right. Let's make tons of money off of royalties. Let's segue to, uh, over to uh, Westworld. First, let's do a check on the recorder. It's good. Is we're this, we've got. Is this uh, a, a peel session? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tell we're me. good. We've got. Uh, we're fifty-two minutes in. That's why we need to switch. We're got, we got about thirty minutes to um, do Westworld. So okay. I thought the episode was amazing, and not as much stuff gets wrapped up. In that episode, as you think, I went back and watched a bunch of like the fan videos and the explanation videos and and stuff. And there's still a lot of stuff that you think is maybe wrapped up, but probably did not get wrapped up. Yeah, and this is the uh, episode ten is called the bicameral mind, which was brought up in previous episodes. Um, it is. Um, Ford the synopsis off of a really great Reddit group <laughs> for Westworld. Uh, the synopsis is Ford unveils his bold new narrative. Dolores embraces her identity and Maeve sets her plan in motion, which that is as short as that sentence is. That is exactly what <laughs> happened. So um, it was directed by Jonathan Nolan. And it was written by Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. And I agree with you. It was great. Yeah, and it was, I think this whole season was great. It was awesome. So I, I highly encourage you and everybody else to go back in and to watch the YouTube videos that have been done that lays out Ford's plan and how there's so many Easter eggs in the episodes. There's so many things that... Um, if you were able to watch all these scenes in, in the order that would be different you know, timeline order. Um, and there's so much stuff in there where the, and here's some potential, here's some of the theories that I thought were very, no, go, and go ahead. Cause, uh, uh, there was a link and I put it in the show notes that, um, somebody after this episode aired, it was one of the sites said, did the Reddit discussion group spoil Westworld? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Well, not if you didn't read it deep, motherfucker. <laughs> it's it's, but a lot of it is stuff you had talked about, and we had talked about, and then at the very end they still had a little twist. That it's like, well, all of you guessed all these things, but we still went bleep. Yeah, and um, so the bleep thing may may not even be that big of a deal, um, given that. The, there's replicants involved. So the the, the I, I watched a lot of really cool videos that were about the, the duality of Arnold and Ford and how one was the, you know, um, caretaker, saw them as conscious, um, and therefore maybe not quote-unquote human, but conscious, and should be treated like humans and where Ford just saw them as a way to make money, a means to an end, 
um, did not really see them as, as being truly conscious and truly uh, human, if you want to put it that way. Um, there, there, there was a lot of really good discussion around that. There, uh, the four, I still am struggling to find out, I think, of why. But um, in terms of what four did throughout and the and, I, and the, I, this sort of makes sense to me that for ford it was all about power and control and he knows he's aging he's going to lose control he's going to lose this power that's so important to him he's going to be be replaced and forced out of the company and so his gra- last grasp at control is to put in play a scenario where that he frees them and lets them have the consciousness and the freedom and the ability to act on their own that he would never let them have before. What, you know, the very thing that Arnold wanted to have, let them do from the beginning. So there's just tons and tons of really good things to think about. And I think that this show, unlike a lot of shows that attempts to do this stuff, did it. And I think I, I really think it's because of Christopher Nolan. He's so good at this, these multi-level things. Um, uh, Jonathan Nolan. I'm sorry, Jonathan Nolan, and the uh, that there's lots of things to think about. There's there's more than meets the eye. It's visually pretty. It's great. It's well acted. But there are they are saying tons and tons of deep things. And I'll I'll, I'll shut up for a while with. And I had not thought of this, and now in hindsight, like, why was this not the first thing that I thought of when it happened? But was that the real Ford that died, given that he could have made a copy of himself at any point? Yeah. Could he be back next season? And did he? And, you know, and and you think about uh, also from a practical point of view for an actor of Anthony Hopkins' age, he's 83. I think that's he's old. I think that's right. Yeah, is that at a practical point? Is that a good segue out? Is that you set all this up and that's a natural out for him? But they did such a great job of representing him at such different ages in his life. Right. And I think that's the thing about this whole first season is that, um, and like you said, is that uh, Jonathan Nolan because he wrote you know christopher nolan has done a bulk of the has shared uh writing credentials with his brother but jonathan nolan has had the bulk of the writing exclusive right and he's had writing and directing exclusive on the show is that is that it's a mix of timeline and it's like we've seen and they've they spent millions of dollars 120 million dollars on this first 10 uh, was it first 10 episodes right and it is totally paid off they've put their money into it and it's showed and it is paid off um and you can go back and watch i've watched each episode at least two times and i'm probably going to go back and just run through it again because now i can just sit back and look at it after all the stuff we've talked about and looking at other things, talking about Sam Harris and talking about what it is, what it is to be human, what it is 
to be a Roomba, <laughs> you know, as <laughs> like, a, are we going to office space and go take Dolores out there and beat the shit out of her with a uh, Lucille, or we're going to do that to a Roomba? It's like it makes you think about it. You, you, it's a difference between this show and a show like The Walking Dead is that The Walking Dead at this point is superficial mm-hmm. for me, and it's just like okay, we're going to do some stuff between humans, we're going to show some gory stuff, we're going to show a weird zombie kill, and that's it. And Westworld, it really makes you think, because it it plays into stuff that we've talked about, is that what what is this technological singularity? I put a link in there, and is that at a certain point, is that, you know, we talked about it, I know, months ago, when we started this podcast and is that at a certain point, what does that acceleration suddenly come to, to where it suddenly, that's all that's being talked about in the news is that robots are going to be replacing 50% of the workforce. Right. And the industry you're in, how much is that going to be replaced? Well, it's already replaced most of those people. Yeah. And so that's a concern for you. And you think about, we talked a little bit about that earlier, is like, okay, over-the-road truck drivers. Holy shit. And then you think about the the tendrils that spread out from that, all these small towns that depend on truck drivers like, man, I got to take a piss and a shit and get a sandwich and go in. That's not going to happen anymore. Dolores would drive that truck right across the United States nonstop. Yeah, when she's not getting the shit beat out of her, you know, it's 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 um, it suddenly come to a point that you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. It is this like, oh, is this happening? Is this starting to happen? It goes. It's everything they've always, as we've grown up through our life, is that it's going to be ten years from now or twenty years from now, and then twenty years from now, it's always twenty more years from now, and now it's. This kind of stuff. It's the next never, 10 years for sure. There's no yeah, pushing it out. It's going to happen. And what is going to happen? And where does it go from being the point that, and it's like in that uh, TED talk that Sam Harris did, is that it's a vicarious experience that we're like, yeah, bring on the Matrix, you know? <laughs> and it's because we don't have any concept of what it really means to us. Because it's like, well, it's going to happen out there, right? Not me. I'm not no, getting replaced. Not me. Not, not me. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you got replaced. Yeah. <laughs> and then what does that mean? What does it mean for... And that goes back to that that um, that podcast today that we was talking about with Sam Harris about compassion and empathy. And I was, I was thinking about that. I, I listened to about two-thirds of it put it on 1.3 speeds mm, right. so i could just blast through it and i was thinking was well, like i can sort of understand that the whole idea and they're thinking it's irrational not to care about more people but i sort of understand the thing is that i will care about the two people that i can take care of and if there's 10 people if there's 10 kids I can't take care of 10 kids. I can't do that. I can understand that. It's, is that. Is that nice? It's like, well, if I can't take care of them, I can't take care of them. And then you talk about the whole idea of, of, of regionalism and tribes and it's like, 
if you or Ron or somebody that I know personally was in trouble, I'd go to bat for you. Some some motherfucker over in in Africa or in Egypt or in China. Sorry, <laughs> you know it's like you're not my you're not in my region of problems. Right. That there's nothing I can do to help you. So I mean, is that is that dumb? Is that no? I mean, people have done that forever. It's like people have taken care of people in their immediate zone of influence. So we're all going to be. I do. The only here's the only upside that I see potentially from this, and if um, I can't remember the exact math that um, we're dead. If yeah. That Sam used, but it was the basically processing speed difference between a um, a human mind and a computer, and it's something like thirty thousand times faster or some shit like that. So that if if this if a artificial intelligence was was born, that in one week it would be like they would they would evolve. 30,000 weeks and one year would be 30,000 years. I think it was even faster than that. It was, and it would be exponential. So here's the only thing that I can think of that would be some potential upsides to this. And I'm not so much as fearful as, uh, and I think this is what season two is going to be about is about the artificial intelligence fighting back. But, um, if you had artificial intelligence, and it was born, and it was exponentially getting smarter. What cancers and could be cured? What things could be designed? Would you know? Two weeks later, is this thing design, designing spaceships to take us to other planets, or uh, uh, colonies on the moon? I mean, what would happen in let's say a span of? 10 or 15 years could it cure aging could it you know so i think there's some crazy cool things that potentially um could be done and accomplished <laughs> but, it, but it, you th- you, if this that, thing is altruistic and doesn't want to dominate us yeah it, it goes back to asimov's uh, uh rules you know it, but it's like okay the best way that we can cure cancer is to get rid of people no more cancer <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like oh shit no i'm sorry i didn't mean that um Done. the best things that i was thinking about it today when i was listening to that one podcast i was thinking okay they need to not look like something that is attractive or um, uh, acceptable to us as like something like mammals with fur or something cute. It doesn't need to be look like a little little puppy dog, and it needs to have a lifespan because we have lifespans. If you do not give something that has a, a superior or even a same intelligence that can work millions of times faster, you have to let it have a natural life decay. And then... I don't think it, w- it wouldn't allow itself to do that. Then then, then it's off of space out, and all, out there. We're going to be beating Roombas with a baseball bat. I mean... I mean, how I many, mean, how many seconds would this thing have to be in existence before it would realize, okay, i got to kill these motherfuckers or they're going to kill me? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a mindfuck, and uh, and I know that this thought has not been out there. I mean, you look at the first Terminator movie, movie, and that came out years ago, 
And but now it's starting to get a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to look at things that maybe it's not going to be Westworld where it's actual actual robots, but I think that the augmented space because you look at uh, at what the capabilities in the uh, visual effects industry of making something that looks closer and closer to human, and then you program in um, you program in uh, intelligence into something that's virtual that you view. I think that could be more of a bridge that maybe people are not looking at, and then say suddenly everybody has this cute little very super smart almost alive virtual augmented reality friend or pet Tamagotchi for our age but times two million I could see that happening as a novelty I don't well and but you, then you type it I don't into think that's the, an end all uh, be all the, uh, the inner the what is it the internet of everything the uh that it has it's tied to everything and it's tied to it's like the amazon echo but it's a it's an augmented virtual reality companion it's like a daemon that follows you around yeah as your friend life i think and well that, i think that, that we already that, that, and that at, at that point is like well, this is my friend for life, and it has an intelligence that is growing and is sharing with other intelligences. You already have that. It's your cell phone. Exactly, but you give it fur. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it's that you make it appealing to where people are not going to, most people are not going to pick up a baby kitten and strangle it. Most people are not going to pick up a cute little artificial intelligence augmented reality creature that is appealing and cute it's like that um what is that anki that little uh it looks like a wally that has the little have you seen that i'll send you a link i think chloe has one the uh, the more appealing that you make something that is is virtual the more less likely that you're going to put limits on it but you don't know. It's like uh, Ex Machina, the movie. You've seen that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is that she was playing this guy the whole time to get her her desires, just like to a make woman. him love her. It's the same thing if you have this little cute furry Roomba that's only works in virtual reality, but you don't know what the, its end goals are. Yeah, so the virtual that, reality that, stuff doesn't the, that's, that, bother that's me at all. Is. I don't. No, well, I don't think so. I don't. See that, you say that now, but what if it doesn't turn out like Westworld? What if it turns out where Magic Leap and Snapchat with those glasses that where people suddenly it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and that you're wearing something that, oh, it's just an accessory or whatever, and you can see all this cool stuff. That's what augmented reality. Yeah, you can turn that off at any time. You got a killing machine out there. You can't. There's not like you. I started watching a show uh, last night 
that is right up this alley. I don't know if you've seen it or heard it, but <laughs> I think you're right about that. That is a good point. If you got a killing machine, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm scared I, of the killing machines. Like the virtual reality thing, I think everything you just described is absolutely going to happen. I don't have a lot of angst around it. So it's an AMC show, and I just started watching it last night. It's called Humans, and oh, it is I about the, uh, ads for it. Yeah, it's season. It's in season two, but it is about. It, you know now and if you could go buy a very realistic let's say 85 percent lifelike um android and have it at your house to clean your house and um you know mow the yard and stick it in the pooper yeah probably (laughs) there's a it comes with a they bought when they bought the family bought one (laughs) there's a little uh envelope that says adult options and dad like sequestered is in his pocket to look at later (laughs) (laughs) well i mean we and we joked about that real doll but i mean at the at a certain point you're gonna you're gonna get into options to where and that's what i was talking about before and you talk uh, you know i agree with you i'm more worried about a real machine that can kill me but you you get into a point where uh, things like haptic devices where gloves to where you can you have a tactile sense and it's not like right now with the uh, the uh, oculus rift and stuff where you have these weird stupid looking wands that you interact with um, but uh, I got a chance to check out one of the vives a few months ago when I was still back up in Dallas and even with these stupid looking wand things that have this big thing on the end it was so real it felt so real have you seen that guy you get you get get into a a thing where you just put on a thin set of gloves to where it gives you a tactile sensation that where you can touch an environment around you and where you feel like you're pressing against stone or iron or flesh and then it gets weird because the mind only takes in things that it understands. So somehow and, yours you know is just I mean? going to feel like it's touching dick all the time. <laughs> it's like titties and dick 24-7. So, so there's a video online, and I just saw this on Facebook this last week. It's a guy. He's got on the <laughs> – this is so funny. He's got on the uh, virtual reality headset, whatever you fucking call that. And you he's at a like some kind of expo or whatever. And uh, you can see <clears throat> on the the screen next to him what he's doing, and he's rock climbing, right, in his virtual reality world, and it's showing you Was what... Was he uh, rock climbing or cock climbing? <laughs> yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. So, um... He... <laughs> this was so fucking funny. So he's rock... Oh, he, he, he went... <laughs> yeah, and so when he, in the game, slipped off the side of the cliff rather than just going well fuck it he fell face forward and smashed his face into the hard cement that they were standing on and dude and he hopped up he hopped up like he just killed himself and came back to life that was fucking funny that was that was and that is with those big old clunky ass goggles that they have now and everything that we know from technology is that it gets better, it gets faster, it gets smaller. And then... You, you I thought bigger was better. Well, 
with technology now. Uh, <laughs> unless it's like a, like a graphics card where it has all these LEDs and you're like, oh, it's a 1080. So I'm edition. interested to see where the show, I only watched the ep- first episode um, last night. We're getting a little short on time. Um, okay. But I thought one of the other, the best videos that I watched on um, YouTube was around um, the exploration of consciousness in the show and how um, that's what the maze was. The ma- yeah. And that's what Dolores was. So it's not for you. Arnold um, had designed the maze because he felt like... Um, you know when they do the triangle, the little pyramid, and he's like, "Okay, there's, there's uh, memories was the first, was the base, and then something, and then self interest." But they still really wouldn't develop consciousness. So what he designed their minds to be constantly searching and and exploring the quote unquote maze, and what was in the middle of the maze was their own inner voice. It's themselves, yes. Yeah, it's not so, his voice; it's their voice, and he he put it that you're not climbing outwards; you're climbing inwards. Right. And so that last scene um, with Dolores before she goes out and starts whipsawing people with a six shooter, um, when she's talking to herself, like the scene starts and it's um, Dolores talking to Bernard or Arnold. You know, you really don't know. And he's talking to her. Bernard. Bernard. And then it shows, and then it's, the camera's doing a lot of movement stuff. And um, Bernard is saying, do you hear the voice? Do you hear the voice? Do you know who it is? And um, it, it then it she opens her eyes, and she's looking across from her. And now she's understanding that the voice is she's her. It's her inner dialogue or inner monologue, whatever you want to call it. And... Um, they do a really cool thing with the audio. It's, I can't remember this exact sentence, but it's three words. And the first one is spoken by Ford. The second one is spoken by Arnold. And the last one is spoken by Dolores. And it's like, I am here or whatever. But you like watching it, you can't hear that it really doesn't stand out that it's three different voices. But it, but it is. And then when they played it back, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally three people saying the different words in that sentence. So it was yeah. super interesting because that was the awakening, right? So there was two two very important things that happened in there. One is Dolores' awakening, and I think Dolores is the bad guy in season two. And the other one... I, I'm interested in that because they showed the awakening on her side versus Maeve. And... Uh, uh, snake tattooed lady and uh, Scarface dude. Yeah, right. But it, in and I didn't catch this in or at least the thought process until I went back and rewatched it a couple times and watched a couple of the videos. Maeve's is a different awakening. So Maeve is been pre reprogrammed and yeah. Um, and you remember when he's reading off what she's been pre- reprogrammed to do. The last one is infiltrate mainland, um, and she's supposed to go over, and she's supposed to go cause havoc in the mainland and kill real people and all this stuff. But that's not what she does. She has that flashback 
to her child. Says, her child, and she gets off the train, yeah. And goes back. So hers is actually, of the two, you could say Maeve has developed, quote-unquote, free will, where Dolores has discovered her true programming. So she's conscious, and she's sent, sentient, I think. However, she's still following the program, where Maeve has made a total break from everything and she is made anew so they both are awakened i I kind of sort of feel but one is or or is it or is it completely you know exactly what you said but completely opposite is it you know and it sort of comes back to that whole sam harris thing that you linked me today is it compassion versus empathy is that am i caring more for my kind or from for nobody and i'm just caring well, I, th- I think that Dolores is caring more for her kind, so she has great empathy for her her kind. her kind and zero compassion for humans. Where Maeve, it's a different deal because she has sh- she is, I feel she, you would put it showing compassion because now she's going to go. She, her thing is to go rescue this one. She yeah. wants to go and- rescue her daughter and not. She did, I don't really think she cares a shit about the overall humans versus synthetic people fight. And I agree with you on that. Is that Maeve, that, that I noticed that, that uh, Felix, she showed compassion for him and said, you're being so very human, and I mean that in the best way possible, right. and allowed him to live. Right. Because he helped her. He showed compassion for her. And she reciprocated. Right. And she he had no reason to. Yeah, she could have just off him. She could have been ex machina and just like used him and then just gutted him, you know, Spencer style. But she didn't. <laughs> yep. All right, we just got a couple of minutes of tape here. All right, so uh, go ahead and wrap it up, man. Yeah, well, thanks for listening to the podcast. We obviously, we are uh, huge Westworld fans. I don't know what I'm going to do on, on Sunday nights now that this show is gone. I mean, I'm going to rewatch it, but that'll take me like a week. Um, yeah, I think we should uh, we should both uh, rewatch. And uh, let's trade notes back and forth. I'll keep the Google Doc going, and uh, we'll do a deep dive into discussion groups and stuff. And we can talk about stuff like that and stuff like with Sam Harris with AI with technology and sort of riff on that sounds good man because, because we we could do that on this show and we can't really do that on the zombie show <laughs> <laughs> right the uh, but I do think we've got some shows that we love that are going to be started check that humans out I, I thought I thought the first episode okay. was okay okay and, and it's that's on uh, AMC. That's on AMC right? yeah so I was watching it on AMC on demand yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you want to? Uh, we just narrow our focus and and pick. That seems to work better instead of watching like ten billion shows and trying to talk about them. Well, for me, and I'll definitely, as I watch shows, highlight it. I have my time has just forced me down to just a couple of shows here over me the holidays, too. and me too. that may pick up um, after the holidays are said and done. And I really haven't been overly intrigued by much in the last couple of months so that's been it's been a little bit of a perfect storm on all that to to i I would much rather talk about shows that we find really worth discussing than 
get into a show like Blacklist and like, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're beating me down. You're beating me down. Yeah. All right, brother. Have a good week, man. All right, man. Talk to you later. Later. Yeah.